high-risk behaviors. Here's a couple of facts. Drug and alcohol abuse does not discriminate. Can I get an amen? This is not a socioeconomic issue, is it? We know this. Cutting does not discriminate. When I say cutting, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, we're going to come back to that. The choking game does not discriminate. When I say the choking game, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Isn't this sad? Isn't this sad that we know these things? We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Pornography does not discriminate. Sex outside of marriage happens, get this, even in our Christian homes. <gasps> it does. It really does. HRBs, I'm going to refer to this as uh, high-risk behaviors, or HRBs, are found in public, private, and, drumroll please, homeschool families. Right. This issue knows no boundaries. High-risk behaviors happens regardless, regardless of, again, environment, socioeconomics. It happens black, white. It doesn't matter. Hispanic, it doesn't matter. And that's why we have to have our eyes wide open on this topic, wide open. Who's the most vulnerable with, with high-risk behaviors? Children are the most vulnerable. Children are the most vulnerable because they are the most influential, influenced, and easy to influence. Children, we can watch on playgrounds, we can watch in classrooms, we can watch. And I would venture to say that any of you who are in children's ministry, these little darlings walk in and you start summing them up. I'm looking at the people that I know are involved. You start sort of going, okay, what's their background? What's their home life? What's, what are some of the things that are feeding into their lives, their daily lives? You start assessing these little children. What a beautiful opportunity to not only assess and, one, let it break your heart if you feel like they're at risk or in danger of being at risk or they're involved in a home life that breaks your heart. That's an opportunity to pray. That's an opportunity to be intentional, to help steer these little children in a, in a different path. Parents are most influential in the lives of those who have high-risk behaviors or who will have high-risk behaviors. Those of us who are parents, it starts at home. It starts at home. So again, I'm, I'm talking two different roles here, so pick whichever one that you want to wear today, whichever hat. Prevention and early intervention is identified as the key solution. So I'll tell you a story. Um, there was a family that came home from dinner, and they had left their teenage boy at home while they went out. They took his little sister, and they went out to dinner. And they came back, and nice suburban neighborhood, everything looks normal. You come in, you pull in the driveway, but they noticed all the lights were on in the house. And they pull up, and they notice the front door open. And they start getting out of the car and walking up to the house, and their teenage boy, their 13-year-old boy, was sitting on the lawn, sobbing, crying. And they go over to them, and they says, you know, what happened? And the dad has already, by this time, walked into the house, and the house is in shambles. And he comes running out of the home, and he sits down, and he said, what happened? And here's what happened. This 13-year-old boy had started just smoking a little weed, just started having a little pot at school and a little more, 
and a little more, and he was in trouble because he hadn't paid for the last three bags that he had bought of the pot. So his drug dealer came to collect, and he didn't have any money when they came to collect, so they took their television. They just went through the house and started taking the things that would pay off some of the debt that this young boy had. So with that visual, you know, we all attended uh, Alan Platt's workshop this morning. There's a visual picture for you. So you've got this little boy sitting on the front lawn. You've got the dad who's angry, upset. The house has been trashed. Things have been stolen. Okay, you change. Let me give you a role here. As the mom, what's your first response? This is a workshop. We talk. Okay, what's your first response, moms? Is he okay? Are you okay, honey? Are you okay? That's your first response. After this sinks in just a little bit, let me ask you. Is one of your responses, where did I go wrong, mom? Where did I go wrong? Wait a minute. You're smoking pot? What? Wait a minute. Okay, so a mom is going to more naturally internalize and start questioning what could she have done, what should she have done to make a difference in his life. How did I miss the signs? That might be another mom. Ha, how long have you been smoking pot? Where, what? I knew it. I knew some of the friends that you were hanging around with, this is their fault, you know, because we instantly go into defensive victim mode, right? Because it's not our baby. It's not their fault. It's clearly not his fault. But as moms, we tend to do that. What's another one as moms? Why couldn't you talk to me about this? Why couldn't you talk to us before it got to this? Okay, dads, dads in the room, what's your response? How could you? What? What's in the anger? Mad. Disappointed? Oh, discipline. I'm going to take you out back. Open a can. I'm from Kentucky, by the way. Just bear with me through this. Dads, let me ask you this. Don't confess. Don't answer this. It's rhetorical. It's only a little pot. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I smoked a little weed when I was his age, so he's all right. Right? I mean, all teens are doing this, right? Typically, that's the dad's response. Typically, statistically, as we have surveyed people to find out in a scenario like this, the responses, what we just talked about are the responses. So what's just happened? Who all's impacted? Because little Johnny's on the lawn. The family is now interrupted in their what used to be life, right? The sibling. His little sister has now witnessed all of this. Is she impacted by this? Is she impacted now by Johnny's decisions? Absolutely. Do you think this marriage is going to be rocked from Johnny's choice and the decision that he has made and then the consequences that follow? Do you think this marriage at this point is going to be rocked? Absolutely. When kids are practicing and when people are practicing high-risk behaviors, it is a selfish beginning, but it is a very public ending because you never go through these things in isolation. So everyone is impacted. What's the number one reason we fail at positively steering our kids away from these high-risk behaviors? Denial. Not my kid. Won't happen to us. We go to church every Sunday. 
you know, we serve, we do the soup kitchen on Thanksgiving. Okay, denial. Denial is the number one reason we fail to positively steer our kids. Notice that I'm saying positively steer our kids away. I'm not saying not have, guarantee of, no high-risk behaviors. As parents and as influencers in our roles, whatever that is, all we can do is try and help positively steer people away from these things or help them when they're there. Because why? Two words, free will. Free will will get us every single time, but by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, okay? Okay, so now I want to pray. I want to ask you to just join me in prayer as we're sitting here again. Wherever brought you to this workshop, wherever you are, wherever you are in your personal journey, I may trigger some things for you personally. I may hit some raw nerves. I may hit some things that you yourself are dealing with. And I want to ask you just to join with me right now. As Pastor Brady prayed this morning, Father God, Lord Jesus, we ask you, search us and know our hearts, Holy Spirit. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord, and a heart that is open to truth, though painful but necessary. In our role, Lord, I ask you to stir up in us what we need to see differently, a different perspective on how we can help others. Father, I thank you and I praise you for this time together. May you be glorified. May we not leave here without at least learning, Father, that you are in control. You have it all, and we trust you with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Denial. How many of you see my pretty vase up here? Okay, those of you who just chuckled know what this is. Pretty vase, pretty vase, pretty beautiful, blown, glass, a glass-blown vase, right? With little holes in it. Huh, that's going to leak when I put the water in for my flowers. This is a bong. This is known as a bong. This is not just a pretty vase. This is drug paraphernalia, okay? I want to show you this because I want to ask you, if you saw that in your kid's bedroom, okay, and you thought, oh, how pretty, okay, I want to just draw your attention to a few things. One, I used to train and teach a program called How to Drug Proof Your Kids. Uh, I was on staff at Focus on the Family for 20 years, and this was part of our program. And we would go around and we would teach parents and teachers and pastors and lay leaders about the warning signs, about various things that you need to have with your eyes wide open when it comes to your kids and comes to your family. And so this is a typical standard little Bob the Builder backpack, right? You would never think that inside Bob the Builder would be all kinds of things. How many of you as parents, true confession here, have ever gone through your kids' backpacks? Show of hands. Oh, aren't you interrupting and disrupting their privacy? No, no. Well, what gives you the right to go through their backpacks? Because I bought it. Because why? God. God gives you the right to go through there. That's right. That's exactly right. Hey, you're under my roof, right? That food you're eating, you like that? Yeah, guess where it comes from? Your dad and me. Okay, going through your kid's backpack is an intentional behavior. 
I want to ask you now, I used to have a whole lot of stuff in this, and I was afraid to bring some of it in because Jeff Cowell, our life safety guy, I thought, if I come waltzing in here with bongs and hash pipes and things like that, he's going to be like, Yvette, you were already suspicious, now you're more suspicious. Fun little motorcycle, little matchbox car motorcycle. It's a lighter, okay? This is just a fun, cool little, I won't turn it on, it's a lighter, okay? I'm showing you these things to say some things that you think are just normal every day would normally be in your house or normally be in your home. What is this? So those of you who are close enough can see. Car lighter, the car lighter thing, you know, when you put this in your car. Looks like that. It's not. You can unscrew this. This is a great hiding place for drugs. This is a great hiding place for black tar heroin. Okay? So moms and dads, parents, leaders, you have kids in your house, I'm showing you these things, and I had a Pepsi can, and it's gone, but the bottom of the Pepsi can screwed out. Literally, it was a Diet Pepsi can, and the bottom of it would screw out, and you could pull the canister down and hide anything you want in there. Okay? What is this? Does anybody know what this is? It's just a pretty rock, right? Just a pretty little rock that happens to have holes in it, that happens to have, this is a pipe. This is a pipe that can be used for smoking hash, hash oil, black tar heroin. Again, pretty just little, what is that, kind of pretty, kind of fun. Just a piece of glass. It's another pipe. It's another form of pipe. Sadly, part of my testimony involved a lot of drugs when I was growing up. And sadly, I know what all of these are for. And sadly, these are the fancy ones. These are things that you can go buy. But let me tell you, when you are in a high-risk behavior, when you are snorting cocaine and smoking pot and all kinds of drugs, you don't need these. You need a toilet paper, brown toilet paper holder, or even an apple can be converted into a pipe with a little piece of aluminum foil. Parents, wide open, open your eyes. Open your eyes with very intentional, suspicious, looking through, talking to them, asking questions. Go through their backpack. When they're not in their room, go through their room. You know, the Columbine shooting, how tragic that was. And when, we, when that unfolded and we heard that those boys were making pipe bombs in their bedroom downstairs, I can only imagine as the mother of, the, of one of those boys thinking, how did I miss this? Why couldn't he talk to me? What were some of the signs? But why didn't I go down and just clean his room every now and again? You think it's not going to happen in your family, and prayerfully it won't. But I would say with a crowd this big, it's already happened in your family and happening in your families. Eyes wide open. I show you these things to say we cannot stay in denial. We're surrounded, completely surrounded by high-risk behaviors. And as parents and influencers, we can reduce the risk. Okay, confidence equals confidence. So hopefully today you're going to get a little bit more competence on the topic. All right, quick stats. One out of two 12th graders has been drunk in the last month. 
One out of three teens has ridden in the car with someone who's been drinking. One out of three teens. Let that settle in for a second. How many of you have teenagers? How many of you have more than one teenager? One out of three teens has ridden in the car with someone who's been drinking. 6.5% of 12th graders now use marijuana every day. Thank you, Colorado. We're legal. Yeah. In 2012, 14.8% of high school seniors use prescription drugs non-medically. Okay? Vicodin and Adderall were some of the most common. Let me ask you, parents, how many of you know what a farm party is? Okay. A farm party is where our kids are getting together to hang out and watch some movies, and what they're doing is looking in your medicine cabinets. Your medicine cabinets are being raided before a farm party because what they do is they take a fish bowl or a clear salad bowl and they put it in the middle of the table and they dump all of the drugs in there, all the prescription pills in there, and they swim it around and stir it up, and then you roll a dice. Okay, if it's three, you pick three out of the bowl. If the dice rolls to five, you pick five out of the bowl. These are called farm parties. These are happening in Christian homes, non-Christian homes. Public school, private school, and homeschool students know what a farm party is. Cigarette smoking is on the decline, not so fast. In contrast, there's a rise in marijuana use. 90% of self-injury individuals, cutters, began during their teen years. Every second, 28,258 internet users are viewing pornography. The pornography, this astounded me. The pornography industry is larger than the revenues of Microsoft, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Apple, Netflix, and Earthlink. Isn't that tragic? This is what's happening. There are high-risk, addictive behaviors that are happening. So what are some of the causes? I want to ask you guys. Don't, don't show them the, the screen yet. Okay. All right. What are some of the causes of high-risk behaviors? Just yell them out. Divorce, peer pressure, low self-esteem, shame, depression, what? Neglect, parents being naive, want to fit in and be cool? Good. So we, we can kind of step back and take a snapshot of this, right? Let's go through the top list. Biological predisposition. Some of us are prone to alcoholism because we come from a long line of alcoholics. We come from a long line of fill-in-the-blank. Uh, Over-the-counter, prescription drugs. We come from a long line of take-the-pill for the need, right? Peer pressure. We talked about that. Parental attitudes. Monkey see, monkey do. Now, this one might hurt, so get ready. I'm about ready to sting you on something. When you come home from work and it's been a long day or it's been a long week, what do your kids see you doing? How do they see you decompress and take the chill and oh, just give me a minute? Okay? What they're witnessing and what you are modeling, maybe not by your words, is how to walk through hard days and busy days and stressful days. So if your MO is, 
I just need to sit down and watch some mindless television, okay? That's one thing, right? Uh, maybe it is to have a glass of wine. Maybe it is to take a walk. Maybe it's to run really hard on a treadmill for two hours, okay? Some of our behaviors don't appear to be negative ones. Some of our behaviors appear as good, healthy choices. But I, I bring this up to just say, you have to fill in the blank of what it is and how you are modeling for your kids how to process hard days and busy days and stressful days because they're watching you. They're watching you. And anything, as Scripture tells us, right, out of balance. I mean, anything in moderation, let's, let's hold that thought. But when we swing the pendulum way over here and it becomes how we cope that's what we're modeling to our kids. So they're watching us. They're seeing these things. Societal factors, oh my goodness. Wow, what a different day we live in than some of us, you know, 50 years ago, 20 years ago, even five years ago. Look at how fast things are speeding up. With social media, my goodness, you can be alarmed and know what's going on in seconds, seconds. We are, we are operating in real time. And so societal factors is huge for us. Life crisis. Someone said divorce. Huge for kids. If you are going through a divorce, you know someone walking through a divorce, get your radar up and on and make sure it's charged because you're going to have to be watching as these kids walk this out, what choices they're going to be making. Depression. We said depression. Parenting style. You know the different helicopter parents, authoritative, authoritarian styles? Some of us come from homes of, hey, as long as, as long as I don't have to pay for it. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of parents who say, you know, I'm not against drinking. I know they're going to drink as teenagers, even if they're under 21. So I'd just as soon have them in my basement. You know, so we have all the kids over here. But I do the responsible thing. Now, when the kids come over to our house to drink and play games and hang out, I make them leave their keys at the door. Well, how responsible of you. Yeah, okay. But do you know what? I wish that I were making this up. I'm not making this up. We have parenting styles, whether they're our own or, guess what? Do you all live inside your home and never walk out of it? No, through friends. So your parenting style might be one of great intentional communication, biblical, absolute strong, solid foundation. But guess what? Step outside of your one sphere of influence. You are one degree, two degrees. Okay, you are now dealing with your kids' friends and the homes that they're representing. So their parenting style may be very different than yours. We also have some parenting styles that are absolutely legalistic, hardcore, will not, you'll go to hell, guilt-driven. Right? Anybody? How'd that work out? How'd that work out for you? Yeah, not so well. So again, knowing your parenting styles, knowing how you are talking to your kids, the awareness of that, but also outside of your own family. How are the parenting styles from your children and their fr from your friends? Possible cause of high-risk behaviors is because they're fun and available, and they're getting more and more and more and more available, aren't they? Rebellion. Rebellion is a key, again, usually stems out of parenting styles, usually stems out of someone being very authoritative in your life, 
So rebellion, availability, curiosity. High-risk behaviors are more and more prominent because it is the escape from real life. How many of you know someone who just is having a rough season? You know, we think rough seasons only applies to us adults. Rough seasons applies to every child, every adolescent, teen, college kids right now. They're struggling. They're struggling, and they're not as equipped as they think they are. We see that, but they don't see that. But the stress that they're under, the escape from life and escape and relief from pain is causing them to run towards high-risk behaviors. And 13, the lie of, it won't hurt me. I'll just try it once. No one will care or no one will find out. These are your top 13 high-risk behavior causes. I'm going to read a story for you. This is dated 9-22-2013. Recent. <laughs> I started cutting in the fifth grade. I started to smoke in the eighth grade. I started to make myself puke to feel better about myself in the ninth grade. I started overdosing on drugs in the ninth grade. I'm in the 10th grade now. I still cut and overdose and puke. How sad is that? How common is that? Fairly common, especially a young, among young girls. Eating disorders, cutting, running with these high-risk behaviors, promiscuity, premarital sex, looking for love in all the wrong places. I could read and read and read and read. I grabbed some of these because I wanted to have you pick out some phrases. Reading through these blogs of high-risk behaviors, listen to what those who are actively right now today, sadly, in high-risk behaviors, what they say is the cause. I had nowhere to turn. All I could see was judgment in my parents' eyes. The, only, the one and only time I've ever seen my dad cry was when he found out I had had sex outside of marriage. Anyone out there who's cutting or burning or harming yourself in any way, remember this. Stay strong. It's not easy. You are beautiful, you are loved, and you're worth so much more than what the scars give you. She seems to have forgotten about something. This is a young girl who's talking about her mom. She says, my mom seems to have forgotten she was just like me. So another thing that I want to bring to your awareness is communication, and we're going to talk a little bit about that further. But again, our kids are modeling. Our kids are watching. Our kids are taking in things not by our words necessarily, but by our actions. This young girl says, I wanted to punish myself so I started cutting. I wanted to punish myself for being this crappy at life. I'm sick of people not caring. I'm sick of feeling pathetic. I went to therapy and I faked getting better so that my parents would get off my back. At home, I get called, these are different blogs, by the way. This is not just one. At home, I get called worthless and useless. So if you're a parent and you're reading this right now, don't ever, and I mean ever, I'm reading this, don't ever, and I mean ever, call your child worthless or fat. It hurts a lot. 
And at school, people think I'm an emo fag. Next one. I grew up learning that being gay and lesbian was a sin, not something I'm supposed to be. So I kept it to myself, feeling absolutely horrible. I couldn't stop liking this girl in my class, so I decided to take matters into my own hands. I started cutting myself until I stopped liking her. These are our kids. These are some of the things that they are writing about, that they are crying out about, that they are revealing. But guess what? As parents, we have to be seeing the signs. As caregivers and as pastors, we have to be looking at people with a filter of you are hurting, not here's the answer all the time. Here's the straight-up solution. You know what? Do this, this, and this. Here's a verse. Memorize it. Come back and let's pray tomorrow again. Yes, we need Scripture. Yes, we need to come alongside them. But we have got to sit down with them. We've got to look eyeball to eyeball. We have to see these people as the individuals that they are because they're hurting. You're going to hear me say that an awful lot. They are walking in pain, and they're walking out their pain in various ways. Alcohol, sex, cutting, pornography, all of these high-risk behaviors that we're talking about. Okay, so now that, bleh, gee, vet, isn't this uplifting? Yeehaw. Let's get to the culinary part, right? <laughs> all right, so what can we do? What can we do? Attending a workshop, eyes wide open. Learn how to look for signs. Learn how to communicate. Learn how to... See things in a different light. See the people that are walking in. Your high-maintenance people that are walking into your church, those people that you go, oh my goodness, here he comes again, here she comes again, may be at risk to themselves or to someone else. View them differently. View them as part of your responsibility of knowing who they are and getting to the bottom of it. Get, go back and sit down and have conversation and communication with them. So as parents, here we go. Step one, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Start praying over your babies before they're born. I already have, like, my grandkids' spouses prayed over. So pray for before they're born. Pray for them. Pray over them. Pray with them. Teach them that the full armor of God is their best, best defense and offense. I always get that wrong. Help me, sports people. Best defense, best offense. Yeah, whichever. You get my point. Okay, build and maintain family relationships. You're spending time with your family is costing you spending time probably somewhere else. But it's worth it. It's so worth it. You know what? You'll have time. You'll have time somewhere down the road, maybe and maybe not, and I don't care. Spend the time with your kids. Spend the time knowing who they are. I, I have a little survey that I would love if we had a couple of hours to really unpack. It's a little uh, questionnaire that you uh, can fill out. And it's how well do you know your kids? Who, all right, I'm just going to do a couple of questions. How, who's your kid's favorite superhero? You? Iron Man. Oh, I love Robert Downey Jr., true confession. Okay, sorry, Iron Man, mine too. Okay, who's another one? Superhero, who? Batman, all right? Uh, kid's favorite sport? If your kid could be any animal, what would they be? <laughs> giraffe? Did you say giraffe? Okay, I love that. Silly questions. Silly questions. I challenge all of you. Go home. Ask your kids. Call your kids wherever they are. And just do a couple of silly questions with them. 
find out silly facts. Find out things, their favorite food. You know, do you sleep in socks or do you don't sleep in socks? Okay? Find out things about your kids. When we used to teach this uh, training, we, w- we had three days to unpack a lot. And we would have the parents, we would ask them this, like, ten questions. And some of them would have some answers, some wouldn't. And we would say, this is your homework tonight. You have to go home and you have to come back tomorrow. Every time, 100% of the time, they would come back the next day and go, that was the best thing. My kids were so shocked that I sat down and asked them all of these questions. And here's the thing. It wasn't about the questions. It's about spending time with them, sitting down with them, and being interested in them. Not in just, did you pick up your clothes and put them in the laundry? Did you do your homework? You know, did you, and fill in the things, because that's usually our conversations. But just being able to spend time, build and maintain strong family relationships, attend church, get involved, let your kids be known, let your kids pass out candy on Sunday mornings. We have a beautiful family here at New Life Church, and I won't embarrass them to say their name, Grothies. But, okay, we're a beautiful family, and the little ones, I don't care how big they are, how tall they are, they're just serving. It's so beautiful. Get them involved. Know where they are. Know what your kids are doing. Be intentional. Spend time together. Develop and practice purposeful communication, not just questions, open-ended, how was your day? Good. What'd you learn at school? Eh. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do this weekend? I don't know. Okay. Sound familiar? Sit down with your kids. So what'd you learn at school today? Tell me about it. What's your favorite thing? Highs and lows are always fun. I mean, how do you engage your kids in conversation? Be aware and stay informed. Know who their friends are. Know who they're hanging out with. Know what's going on in the lives of your kids. Help your kids establish boundaries. You have to teach your kids about boundaries. And some of us as parents need to learn a little better about boundaries, don't we? Uh-huh, I can see some mm-hmm, convicted faces right there. Some of us need to know that, boy, just go, 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 filling up our calendar with really good things and all the activities in church and life and serving and da 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 Is that good boundaries? No. Again, your kids are watching. Your kids are watching when you take seriously the Sabbath or when you take seriously, you know what, I'm going to have to say no to that because this is family night. And you know what, we sit and we eat dinner together tonight, and this is what we do. Your kids are watching, but establishing those will help them establish. Build a stronger self-image in your child. Help your children know the truth about drugs, alcohol, sex, cutting. These are the conversations we don't want to talk about, but these are the conversations we have to talk about. You absolutely have to sit down and talk with your kids or the children, again, in your care, in your profession, that is in your influence. You have to have your eyes wide open and you have to build communication. We talk about communication, relationship. Earn the right to be heard with these kids. Play ball, play frisbee, go outside, spend some time with them. Just get to know them a little bit so that when, not if, the hard seasons come and you have to sit down and say, oh, honey, um, you know, I, I thought I had left my keys in your purse, so I went to get in your purse and I found a condom. Why? Why? 
Okay, that's not the time to all of a sudden try to establish the right to be heard and relationship on communication. That's not it. Okay, just saying. You have to invest in these things so that when the time comes up that hard things happen or your best friend has just committed suicide and you sit down with your daughter or son and you have to unpack that and you have to talk about that. That's not the time to start going, well, here's high-risk behavior conversation. No, you start doing that over the dinner table and when you're playing ball and when you're hanging out and when you're driving to school and when you're going and picking up all the friends and when you've got a carload of kids, guess what? You have a captive audience. Lock the doors. Keep them in it. Drive in circles till they talk. You know, you've got the opportunity, but you have to take the opportunity. Develop, and this is on here again, develop stronger social and communication skills. Your kids have to know how to say no. When our three kids were growing up and in our home and going to different people's houses, we had a little code that we would do. And uh, our son, sadly, was prone to migraine headaches. And so when they were ever at a party or they were somewhere, and if either the movie was inappropriate or they felt like things were in the house that were not jiving and they weren't comfortable with it, here was our code. All you have to do is call home and say, Buck has a migraine. Okay, that was our code. Because that meant either I'm coming to pick you up, dad's coming to pick you up, or, you know, you get to leave. And I've always said, make me the bad guy. My husband's like, make him the bad guy. You know, gosh, guys, sorry, Buck's got a migraine. We all have to go home. Well, why doesn't Buck just have to go home? Well, we all have to. Okay, so we gave our kids permission that we would be the bad guys that we would be the out for them if they ever were in that situation where they just felt uncomfortable. Have these conversations with your kids. Michelle here from New Life, her husband works in, he's a DEA agent. Can I say that? Is that? Okay, sorry, now that I have. Yay, and it's being recorded. Okay, Michelle Barden, B-A-R-D-E-N. Okay. Um, her husband's a DEA agent, and she said, you know, we have always talked to our kids openly about drugs, what to look for, things and risks associated. I said, yeah, because that's your, you know, that's on your radar. You're living it and breathing it every day. Well, what are you not living and breathing every day that is a risk to your family? Because you need to bring it up close and personal. So communication, encourage accountability, model the behavior you want your kids to follow. Okay, quickly, we talked about warning signs, low self-esteem, someone said that. Inability to appropriately respond to peer pressure, unhealthy friendships. Do you know who your kids are hanging out with? Do you know what they're doing at their home? Do you know what they're doing down the street at the playground? Do you know what their parents are doing? You have to know these things and you have to ask the questions. Stressful home environment, lying. Again, extremely private with personal space, home life, and belongings. Your kids are living in your homes. You have every right and permission and authority to look through their nightstand, to look through their backpack, to look through their car and the console and the glove box and the trunk every time they go out and come back in. You have full permission and authority to do that. Some parents think, well, you know, we respect privacy. Well, I don't know about you, but you know what? Not in my house. You live in my house, it's a public matter. Everything's public. Stressful home environment, lying, um, space, difficulties at school, warning signs, low grades. 
pay attention to that. Now, my kids made low grades just because my kids made low grades too. But you have to zero in on that. You have to get a, you know, to the depth of that a little bit because sometimes some of our students start out really good and then their grades start falling off. Well, investigate that. It may be nothing else than they're just staying up too late and needing some rest. But you know what? It may be that they're talking with other people or have influence from other friends or getting into some dangerous territory. Bullying, huge. We could talk an hour on bullying as being a high-risk behavior, even if your kids are being bullied or they're the bully. Okay, so that's a whole conversation. Watch for the abuse pattern. It starts out as experimental use. Marijuana is known as a gateway drug. That simply means generally, statistically, kids will start smoking pot first. That's just the first. The reason it's called a gateway drug is because what happens? The high isn't as high. The fun isn't as fun. The adventure isn't as adventurous after a season of, quote, just smoking pot. And so the next step is more regular use. So when I maybe only started smoking pot, and it was just that one time, and then it became that next time, and then that next time, it becomes more frequent, becomes more daily preoccupation of what they're thinking about, who they're being involved with, and then dependency. Same thing with cutting. If you've ever sat down and talked to anyone who's a cutter, how did it start? Well, I just felt so bad on the inside. I just, oh, I just couldn't deal with fill in the blank. My parents divorced. I couldn't deal with it. I was hurting so badly on the inside. And so I just discovered that if I just picked or cut with a staple, then a razor blade, piece of glass, something, the pain helped me to get away from what I was feeling inside, the external pain. So the shift, the deflecting of an internal pain became an external pain. That's how cutters begin. This tattoo on my arm is a uh, solidarity. My two nephews, who had just started smoking a little pot in high school, just smoking a little pot, became more regular use, became a daily preoccupation, became different friends. They're two beautiful, strapping, handsome, athletic boys, both on the football team. All of a sudden, different friends. All of a sudden, didn't go to practice. All of a sudden, grades start failing, both of them. All of a sudden, we're sitting in their living room doing an intervention because they are addicted to black tar heroin. That's here in El Paso County, Cheyenne Mountain High School. My daughters and I got these to say, okay, in solidarity, sitting in that intervention when we showed up and said, we will never give up on you. We will never stop praying for you. As long as you're breathing, there's hope. That's my mantra. Everybody knows that. As long as you're breathing, there's hope. Our kids need to know that we have hope for them, that we're going to be in solidarity with them. The people in our sphere of influence and in our care who are tampering with and sampling and getting outside of the boundary lines that we know are best for them needs to know that if they're breathing, we believe that there's hope because we know the one who can change it all. There's an activity that I'm going to ask you to do, and then I'm going to ask a friend of mine to come up 
a um, couple things. Right now, just quickly, in your mind or at your table, just discuss what are three things, just very quickly, we're going to take like one minute, three things that you wish your parents would have told you or talked to you about while you were growing up that you could give to your kids now. Okay? Okay. 
Popcorn. Give me a couple things. What do you wish your parents would have told you that you can maybe now tell your kids? Communication. You wish you would have, they would have talked to you more? Would have talked to you more openly? Okay. Communication. What else? Being involved. You wish your parents would have been more involved, and now you can be more involved? Okay. We talk about time, intentionality, communication. Yes. She says, I wish my parents would have told me they loved me. Absolutely. Do you know what that does for self-esteem? Especially with young girls. Young girls will go looking for love in all the wrong places. Daddies, love up your daughters. Love up your daughters. Things that we wish our parents would have done that we can now do differently. Last slide that I have, and then I'll introduce someone to you. What if a high-risk behavior is already happening? Okay, so what if it's already going on? What if this is in your home? What if this is in your sphere of influence, in your role? Don't deny the problem. We've talked about you have to be intentional, but you have to have eyes wide open. We cannot deny the problem. Don't wallow in false guilt like the mom in our scenario. You know, what could I have done? Why couldn't you talk to me about this? What should I have done? We can't, you can feel that, you can experience that, but then you have to move out of that and move on from that. Seek pastoral care, a licensed professional counselor. Seek accountability. Ask and make sure that you are helping those in your sphere of influence put the boundaries in place. Get accountability around them. And again, as pastors, we can love up and we can journey with people. We can pray with them. And I believe that the Word of God is the most powerful thing that we can do. But we have to know who they are while we're doing that, while we're walking. And sometimes that next level of care is a licensed professional counselor. Don't overstep your boundaries and don't understep your boundaries. Know that you have help that is perhaps needed for the long haul. Be prepared to make tough love decisions. We talked a little bit about this. So if your kids are doing things and you find something in their purse or you find something in that backpack, what are you going to do about that? Again, if we had some, like, two or three more hours, it's so fun to role play this and just be able to say, how are you going to practice tough love decisions? What are you going to do with that? What if they make the bad choices? What are the consequences of those bad choices? How are you going to stick it out? Are you and your spouse in agreement on the consequences of the behaviors? Or are you differed? and fighting amongst yourselves. Okay, don't look for quick fix solutions. Don't ignore. Don't just go, well, you know, it's kind of the thing right now. These kids, these crazy kids, they're all hanging out and smoking a little pot. Do not, do not let the enemy have a foothold in your door. Never give up hope. Be ready to welcome your prodigal home. As I leave you with that, I stand before you as the prodigal. I was the prodigal and didn't realize until I became an adult and a mom of three and a wife and now a pastor of a church what God's mercy and his grace and his forgiveness tastes like. Amen? You may have someone in your family, in your sphere of influence, that needs for you to never give up hope and to welcome them back wherever they have been, however stinky the pig slop smells on them. They need to know that you're going to be there for them with open arms. I want to invite a friend of mine. He's a program director at Focus on the Family. His name is Mike Haley. And Mike 
and I had the privilege of being able to go around the country, actually, and take that three-day training I was telling you about, and we would take our happy little backpack, and I always made Mike carry it through the airport, <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> just in case, here, you take the backpack of stuff, but Mike, um, I said, I was talking to him about doing this workshop today, and Focus on the Family is a great resource of what's going on now as kind of next steps, so I want to turn it over. Please welcome Mike Haley. Thank you, Yvette. It, it is fun to travel with a vet. We would eat our way through every city. Uh, she likes food as much as I do, and we would have a blast, and we would have so many laughs, but we'd also have so many tears because we would come across so many families that were hurting. And I love some of the information that she shared with you. It, it truly is um, powerful stuff. And I, I love one of the things, and I just want to reiterate it, uh, use you as the bad guy. Again, I loved what she said about that. That's what we do with our boys. We've told our boys, if they were ever offered drugs, anything like that, say, there's no way. I don't want to try it because my parents have told me that they will um, periodically drug test us. And if it comes back positive, we're going to lose every privilege we've ever thought we had. So again, give your kids those tools. It really is extremely helpful. But I want to give you some some really, uh, I want to end um, on a positive note. Uh, there's some information that I've come across in the research that I've done, powerful information. I don't know how many of you are familiar with an organization known as the Search Institute. Well, the Search Institute has been around since the late 50s. Um, and they have done decades of research with over four million young people. So this is not a fly by the fly by the seat of your pants or fly by night organization. They have been around for years. Now they started out as a religious faith-based organization. Now they're sexual, sec, secular, not sexual, sorry. <laughs> no, who knows, they probably are. But uh, they're at least secular organization. Um, but still, I'm one of these firm believers that all truth is God's truth. And there's a lot that we can learn. And so we have taken a curriculum that has been created on the backbone of the 40 developmental assets into some communities across the country. One of those communities that we implemented this curriculum in was Santa Ana, California. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that, but it's a very impoverished community, smack dab in one of the wealthiest counties of our country, Orange County. And um, the fact that focus on the family is in the public schools anywhere in California is only a miracle of God. Um, but we were able to implement this curriculum and watch some incredible things happen. But really what this curriculum is based on are that you all have this sheet here in your hands. It's based on these 40 developmental assets. And so through these decades of research with over 4 million young people, they have come up with these 40 building blocks that every child needs in their life to succeed. And I think this is a wonderful, this is the preemptive side. This is the side before our children get involved. This is kind of a way to take the temperature of where our kids are at. This is the preventative measure, as well as I think it's just a common place or a good place for us to kind of take the temperature for our children as they develop. But anyway, you can see that these 40 developmental assets are broken up into eight different categories, support, empowerment, boundaries and expectations, constructive use of time, commitment to learning, positive values, social competence, and positive identity. One of them that I love is number 19, of course, that shows that children that are involved in religious communities tend to do better than children that aren't. And so if you take this other sheet, I want to give you guys, um, at the top you'll see the web address 
for this organization and for uh, this institution. And what you can do is you can go onto their website and you can find these 40 developmental assets age appropriate according to the age of the child that you might have influence over, whether it's kids in your youth group, um, your own children, your own grandchildren, and you can walk through and look at these assets and where your child might be or a child that you know might be weak in one of these particular areas, you can click on that particular asset and it will give you activities that you can do as a family, as parents, as a community that will strengthen the assets in those kids. And so this, this graph that's on this other sheet that you've been given shows the difference in a life of a child if they have zero to 10 of the assets versus if they have 31 to 40 of the assets. There's other variances in between, but let's just pay attention to the extremes. So for instance, if a child has zero to 10 of those assets, the chance that they're going to become involved with problem and have problems with alcohol, there's a 45% chance. If that child has 31 to 40 of the assets, there's a 3% chance. Violence, which was a big deal in the community that we were in, there was 90 active gangs. So this was an important statistic, but there's a 62% likelihood that the child will become involved in violent behavior if they have 0 to 10 of the assets versus 31 to 40 of the assets, there's a 6% chance. And I'll just let you take a look at that graph. The statistics are astounding to me as a parent. And I thought this is one of the best kept secrets um, out there for parents in regards to some proactive ways that we can come and look in and assess each of our children. And then of course, I put a scripture with it. I just love Deuteronomy, um, this passage of scripture found in six, five through nine. Uh, it says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And I think that's a call to each of us that has the ability to affect the lives of students, that we have to look at our own lives first. Do we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind? And then, um, these commandments I give you today, be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home. When you walk along the road, when you sit down at dinner, when you lie down at night, when you're traveling in the car, I mean, we could have this scripture go on and on, but I think this talks about the proactive ways that we need to invest in and impart these assets, this list of 40 assets, into the lives of our kids and those that we have the ability to affect their lives. And so I just wanted to, Yvette wanted me to quickly kind of expose you guys to this information. It's a wealth of information, but if for some reason you're interested in taking a look at, I guess, can I throw a commercial out there? <laughs> Raising Highly Capable Kids, which is a 13-week curriculum that we at Focus on the Family has developed that we're willing to partner with you to bring into your communities. We're looking for three communities in the fall that we will go into and we will grant this curriculum benevolently. Um, and we tend to really want to go into impoverished communities that don't have a lot of resources. So if you come from a community that's like that or you have influence in a community like that, I would love to connect with you after um, because we would love to help you as the church bring a relevant curriculum. What a wonderful way to step into the public schools, an area where the church has often not been invited. But let me tell you, when you lead with an evidence-based curriculum and a willingness to serve, they will invite you in, I promise you. So God bless you all. Oh. Uh, there's one of these on every table, and we didn't have enough for everybody, but Mike, do you want to tell them what this is just quickly? This is just another curriculum that Focus had produced, um, How to Drug Proof Your Kids. Again, it's just um, an active way for 
uh, parents to be involved for a parent. It's really a parenting curriculum that you can take a look at that um, talks about many of the things, the warning signs. I'm sure you touched on the warning signs before I came in, but the warning signs, what to look like, how to have those conversations. And one of the things that I just want to touch two seconds on, but Yvette talked about having conversation with our kids about drugs and alcohol. But I would also encourage you to ask them, what do they know about drugs and alcohol? Because in our community, you might say, well, they've covered the issue of marijuana, but we come from a state where it's legal. So what the education that my children might get on, on the idea of marijuana is very different than what I want them to understand about marijuana. So they may say, Dad, oh, I understand that. I get it. We learned about that in school. Well, that's great that you learned about it at school, but it's very different than the way that Mommy and Daddy believe about this topic and so we want to talk to you differently so don't just preach at your kids as well ask your kids what they understand about many of these issues as well thank you mike thank you to all of you it's just a little that clock's a smidge fast but it's a little after three so thank you again mike haley focus on the family i'm yvette here at new life church if we can answer any questions for you or follow up with you please 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 don't hesitate to ask okay thank you for being such a great captive audience thank you <laughs>